This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hey, everybody. This is Corey from 100 Sons. Some of you may know that we're crowdfunding our debut album, and we need your help to make it happen. We're very excited to get this record out and get on the road to your city. So head on over to igg.me slash at slash 100 sons to get one of our exclusive perks and help us make this record. Norma Jean Week on the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, Shane Told, where I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to front a band. And the reason I say it's Norma Jean Week is because my very good friend, Ray Harkins, he has a podcast called 100 Words or Less, and he also had... Corey on this week and maybe we should have talked and coordinated this a little bit better but I figure you know what the heck they got a new record coming out it's great and what's actually cool is I listen to Ray's podcast and it's amazing how I can talk to Corey for an hour he can talk to Corey for an hour and the conversations are so different so if you enjoy this one please go over to Ray's podcast have a listen to his he's got a great show make sure you're subscribed again his podcast is called 100 words or less also, I'm sure you heard Corey talking with a little ad at the beginning, talking about his new band, 100 Sons. Very, very cool new band. I really, really like it. It actually features two members of a band I used to work with that's very near and dear to my heart. They're called Dead and Divine. I put out two of their records on my record label back in the day. Uh, I still got some CDs kicking around if anybody's interested, veronarecords.com. And they're actually crowdfunding their new record, which is something that I have mixed feelings about, you know, I'm not really sure how I feel about the whole crowdfunding thing. So me and Corey talk a lot about that in the podcast as well. Before we get into it with Corey, as always, I love when you guys get in touch. I love your feedback, whether you like the show, think we could have improvements. If you have recommendations of future guests, please get in touch. There's so many ways you can do it. The most easy way I'm going to say is probably email. 
So it's leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all the email, definitely. Sometimes I'm not that great at getting back to you. However, what I am good at getting back to you is Snapchat. So definitely add me on Snapchat. It's real Shane Told. I know it's a bit of a douchey handle, but Shane Told was taken. We also have uh, Twitter, which is at leadsingersyn, S-Y-N. That's a lot of fun. And of course, if there's ever any photos that are pertinent to the show, we put them up on Instagram at at leadsingersyndrome. And of course, if you want to support the show, which people ask all the time, it's really easy to. If you buy things online, do you buy things on Amazon? Because they have literally everything. They got lamps. They got beds. They got doors. They got TVs. I'm look, literally looking around my room. They've got baseballs, uh, flags, hats, Jose Bautista bobbleheads, perhaps. I don't really know, but I'm pretty sure they do. You can get anything on there. So seriously, if you want to help the show out, it's really, really, really easy. You go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. All that'll do, it'll take you right to the Amazon homepage. You log in like you normally would. You won't even know anything happened. But we get 4%, actually maybe even 6%, I'm not sure. It depends what you buy. 4 to 6% of whatever you buy, it costs you absolutely nothing. So if you're listening to this right now and you do make purchases online, especially on Amazon, please just use that link. Again, it's leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. Well, thanks again so much for listening. I really, really do appreciate your support. So let's get into it with my conversation with Corey Brandon of Norma Jean and Hundred Sons. I'm here with uh, Corey from from Norma Jean and Hundred Sons. Uh, I am, dude. I'm so sorry. I'm late. Um, actually, good, actually, kind of funny. So my Wi-Fi just totally crapped out at my apartment. I don't know why. Uh, completely not working. So um, to be safe, I drove to McDonald's. So I am. <laughs> wow. I am right now. I'm stealing the McDonald's Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the reason that I'm about, uh, what am I, 15 minutes late. So I apologize for that right off the bat. If I have to use, like, if, if I'm doing, like, a FaceTime audio or, like, Skype or something, and when you put out a new record, you have a lot of these kind of things. So yeah. I have to actually turn my Wi-Fi off and just use my data because it, it works better than my Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Um, so, what, uh, what phone company are you with? It's... It's AT and T, so yeah. LTE works better than and is faster. Yeah, so I don't know. Well, I'm in I Canada. Just turn it off. <laughs> I'm in. I have kind of a weird phone situation because I have T-Mobile, uh, and I have T-Mobile because they have like this free worldwide thing going on where you have you have free data like everywhere in the world. And since I live in Canada, you know, I I used to have two phones. I used to have a Canadian number for when I was home, mm-hmm. and then I'd have a U.S. one, which I would use when I was on tour in the U.S., and then also most of the rest of the world. So now I've got it down to one phone number thanks to T-Mobile. This is not an ad, by the way, listeners. I'm not. <laughs> but it is, it is like, it is rad. But sometimes Send when I'm... free stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take a discount on my phone bill, sure. But, yeah. uh, but no, I, I, but now being in Canada at the moment, um, they'll... They like just kind of put me on any network, and it's not very reliable. So yeah. the last thing I want to do is be on the phone with you and have it like 
crap out. So apparently sure. I'm re- relying on uh, corporate America and McDonald's right now. So thank you, uh, <laughs> thank you, Ronald. Dude, but, uh, they have they have uh, better service than I do. So <laughs> well, hey, um, whatever works, it. man. So uh, how's it going today? Are you uh, are you down in Arkansas? Is that where you're living? Yes. Yeah, I'm home. Uh, we've been home for about a month now or so. So we had a little time off from our last tour and before our next stuff starts to take off and the record drops. Yeah, right. So so lots going on. Um, there's like so much I want to I want to ask you about, but I guess we'll start with you know you guys having some time off. I know like family is a big thing for you. You know, yeah. um, you know, even back when I first met you, like, you know, that was a big thing with Norma Jean and, and, you know, you guys kind of being road warriors. Um, but basically it being all about providing for your families. Um, so, so how is that now? I mean, you, you've been in the band for geez, what, like 12 years or something. Uh, the mm-hmm. band has been you know, going on for a long time. Now, how does, how is wrestling with that, with, with being like, okay, we got a new record coming out. We've got all the stuff we need to do to promote not only the band, but your own art, but then also mm-hmm. you have to be there for your family. How is that? For sure. I, uh, I don't know for, for Norma Jean, I, I think you can probably relate to this too. Cause I mean, you guys have been doing, you know, been a band for a very long time too. That when, when you get, you get, there is a point you can get to, where I feel like Norma Jean is in where um, we have a pretty awesome, dedicated fan base. Yeah. And, you know, like we, we don't have to like stay on the road constantly and we live within our means. So it's not like we're having to like book tours so we can pay bills like all the time and stuff. So really right now, I mean, we have a pretty good system of like, uh, you know, when we need to be out and when we need to be home and it's pretty, pretty well balanced, I think. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I was just had uh, Dennis from refused on the podcast last week. Um, and you know, refused mm-hmm. they're doing literally, they're doing only two weeks. That's their maximum that they'll do, uh, you know, just for the families. And I mean, that's, I mean, they're refused. <laughs> right? Yeah. So they're playing shows like big shows and they're making a lot of money. Like their reunion show was like Coachella for fucking crying out loud. Right. Yeah. They're, so, they're killing it. I mean, they're refused. And- so it's different, but, but obviously like, you know, yeah, you guys have a dedicated fan base, but like, it's still like, there's gotta be times when it's like, okay, honey, you know, okay, kids, like daddy's yeah. gotta go. Daddy's got, daddy's gotta leave for six weeks. And that's just how it is. The, the, another thing with me too. And, um, I, I am a lot different from a lot of you know, my peers is that I had kids really, really young. Yeah. And I, and I don't recommend anybody do this, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, it, it, it's kind of cool now because, um, I, I'm about to have an empty nest in less than a year. What? Both my kids will be moved out and adults on their own. And I will just chill. (laughs) I'll be done with God. Well, I know. I mean, I know that's what happens when you have kids in high school. Right. Well, I know you're 40 now too, right? So yeah, um, yeah, 40. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. I don't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, wow, dude, that's crazy. No, I knew you had, you had kids, but like, I didn't know they were adults, you know? Yeah. Well, I I have a 17 year old and he, you know, he'll, he's in high school and actually half college already. So, you know, he's kind of already integrated into, you know, kind of, finding what he wants to do with his life and stuff. So it's like, I'm more in that um, thing. And it's a lot easier for me to do things. And, you know, um, so much so that I, 
started another band like a really smart guy and <laughs> even split my time yeah. even more between yeah. my family and two projects. So, uh, but it, it's really been okay, you know, like juggling all the things and, um, you know, I, I have a lot, a lot I want to do still. And, you know, I always tell people like, you know, your family is important for sure. Um, your kids are important and you should be there as much as you can for them. Sure. But, and this is the part where it gets a little weird is that they aren't everything like you matter too. what you want to do matters. Um, you know, if you want to play music and, and tour that you, that Matt, that's, that's cool. You can do it. If you want, if you have a, a dream you want to pursue, you absolutely should. Um, I don't think people should completely 100% sacrifice their own lives um, just because they have kids. I think that's the thing that people are very, uh, very scared of to yeah. do. Like, oh, if I have kids, I can't do anything. That is just not true. You know, that's a. I think that's an episode of Family Guy or something. But you know, you you can you can still do those things, and and actually, I think it enhances um, what I do because right. I do I do it harder, and I do it I do it with more passion because I know that if I'm going to spend time away from them, you know, sure. being on tour, being in the studio, then I better be doing it right. Because I'm, you know, I'm away from home, and that's where I want to be more than anywhere. I completely get that, and I don't have any kids. You know, I, I, in some levels, I can't relate to you, but on some levels, I absolutely can because, you know, no one in my band has kids, um, and I think there always was a fear. We never talked about it or anything, but I think like there always is a fear that like, oh shit, well somebody in the band has a kid, they don't want to tour anymore, or they want to tour less. And it's going to affect everybody else, and then you know what I mean. Yeah, and, and oh, that's totally possible. And that's it is possible. What usually yes. happens. It doesn't that's what ha- usually happens. Right, <laughs> too, so. but it doesn't. But you're saying it doesn't have to happen, right? There, it there are. Have to at all. Yeah, and yeah, you know, and also like I'm sure. I mean, when you first started touring, um, you know, even before uh, Norma Jean, like the idea of being able to FaceTime with your kids, and you know, just that whole side of it. It's so insane now how much better it is. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, I rem, I remember my first tour. Um, you know, we we had to go to payphones, and if, if we were out of the sure. if we were out of the country, we had to go into these weird little stores, and they sold like phone cards, and they had some minutes on them, and some of them were total scams. Yeah, you would you would get them, man. and they just wouldn't work. And they were they were fake, and and then you, like what do you do? Like I, I can't speak the language here. I don't right. know. Like so, you know, we go out to these payphones and push the number in, and there would be this voice that would come over and be like, "One minute left," and we're just trying to get in a, co- a conversation. Yep. I so know. It, it, it's it's an amazing time we live in, and that we can. It is, uh, and younger younger bands just can't relate to that. Like I, I'll yeah, you know, I I a lot of times on these podcasts. I talk about the old days and I don't know if the listeners <laughs> like it or if they just think I'm like coming off like a, you know, a, like, you know, walking, <laughs> walking to school in the snow, both hills, you know, uphill both ways kind of thing. Like, you know, your parents talk about, but, but it is, it is interesting. Like I totally can even relate to that. Like, you know, going to Europe, this, this, the phone card scam is so, in- so funny. Cause that's so true. Um, yeah. and just, yeah, like I remember being in the van we didn't have cell phones. Nobody had a cell phone. Nobody had a laptop even. And oh, yeah, if we had sure. to 
um, you know, like there'd be times in the early days where we'd, I'd have to do like a phone interview. You know, I remember one time I, we had our first one with Alternative Press and we literally had to stop, pull over on the side of the road. I had to get on a payphone and call, <laughs> yeah. call Victory Records to connect me to Alternative Press. And I conducted the like half an hour phoner while everyone just like sat at a, at a truck stop and we were like ended up being late for the show. Like that's just how you had to do it. You yeah, know? I think I think it's uh, I think that people or listeners um, would like it because I think it's a, a perspective thing. Sure, you know, like um, um, you know, things are so are so much different, and things change so quickly, um, especially in music and and just in life. And I think that uh, this probably relates to a lot of people, you know, that travel as well, like people in the army as well, or you know, any kind of military where they have to be away, like. Yeah. It's just we live in a great time of communication in this digital world, and um, it's only going to get crazier. It's only going to get more insane. It is. So it is. And I love in. I love the idea of like we we sit here. You know, you sit here and you try to imagine how much crazier it could get in the next steps and stuff. And then people always seem to come to the conclusion that like, nope, not going to get any better than this. You know, like the first time I saw <laughs> one of those um, T-Mobile Sidekicks. You know, you know, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, dude. like it, you know, it spins out, and there's the keyboard, and they had like yep. aim on it, and, and it would make a little noise when you opened it, and you could set like different sounds to right, yeah, and it had a camera built in, and you could upload your. I, I was like, at that point, I was like, it's never going to get better than this. Like, this is the best it's ever going to get. <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> and, the sidekick. Yeah, yep. I always thought it was more or less kind of a toy. Like, it was like. Uh, you know, like a Game Boy, but you could make phone calls and texts on it. Yeah, and yeah, kind of. Kind of <laughs> but I mean, a, an iPhone is pretty much just a toy, too. I mean, Basically. for how most people use it. Like, you know, I can't tell you how many times people are sending me. It's an adult toy. Yeah, except people are just have their dog ears on and sending me pictures on Snapchat. and like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so okay, whatever, dude. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I always think that's funny. And I think if we actually... If you actually could think, could could imagine how crazy it can get, then that's how you make the billion dollars because then you're the person thinking of what the next thing is and, and inventing it, you know? Totally. So, yeah. Um, does your does your son how many how many kids do you have? You have two, right? I have two kids. And they're how old? Um twenty two and seventeen. Are they both boys or twenty two year old girl? I have a I have a girl, um, she's twenty two. And uh, my son is seventeen. Now, do they have they expressed um, interest in music or playing music at all? Um, actually, very recently, um, and I'm, I mean, like last week. Wow. No joke. My son, his name is Kyler, um, showed me a song that he wrote, and he had lyrics, and and he's 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 uh, he likes a lot of different kinds of music, and uh, this was like a hip-hop song that he wrote and it i was like pretty blown away actually wow um by it um it was really good and um he didn't sound like a complete idiot so <laughs> i was I, I was like whoa hey you know good good job let's go let's go make some beats or something you know i have a studio in my backyard and and wow, you know, he yeah. doesn't really come out there you know and 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 really hang out or anything but i think uh you know Maybe we'll go out and make some music and stuff. But yeah, he he has expressed some some interest very recently, which is kind of I don't know if that's a good thing or well, it whatever, can't be a bad but, thing. I don't think there's yeah. anything bad about it at all. But you know, it, it must be tough, like 
being, you know, when your father is a is a professional musician um, and you write something, like, there must be some level of anxiety about, like, putting yourself out there, right? I mean, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely off base, but I think in some well, ways it's like... Well, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before because um, one of the things that I realized, you know, having kids young and, and um, still pursuing my dream and succeeding um, is that you kind of, you, basically you show your kids that they can do that. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, you know, fight hard for something. And it's, it's definitely possible. Um, I'm not a really big, uh, proponent of like, you can do anything because, you know, not everybody can be president. I don't really agree with that. You could do whatever you want. Like, I, I like to say it's possible because, because you might change your mind and, sure. and want to do something else yeah. and there, or something or another opportunity might come along while you're on that path. So I really like that. And, and I've, I've started, I've started to, uh, starting to see that a little bit in them and you know, they, wait, they, of course they wait till they're older to realize how much they appreciate you, but, <laughs> um, right. as most, most people do, but yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's a cool thing to, to at least show them that if, you know, maybe it's not music you want, but it's something else. And, um, you know, I want them to be inspired and, um, I'm proud of them no matter what. And uh, I want them to be proud of me too. And, and so I I think there's kind of a give and take there. That's, that's, that's kind of really, um, magical in a way. Absolutely. No, that's, that's great. Um, it's great to have you on the show. First time here, I, really would love to talk about some of the old days of Norma Jean, um, kind of how you got in the band and everything, because I don't know how, how well, I don't know how, how much that story's really talked about, and yeah. um, and it is certainly interesting. Um, so I know, you know, when you came in the band, um, Norma Jean had already put out the first record. Uh, you know, Josh Scogan was, you know, who, who now people know as the guy from The Chariot uh, and 68, um, mm-hmm. and obviously... Um, at that point, him leaving the band after the... It was the first album, right? Yeah. Um, yes. And, uh, and you coming yeah, in on the second the album. the first record cycle, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you coming in with some big shoes to fill. How was that for you um, initially? Um, it, it, the thing that... Um, the, the main thing that to, to tell there is that we were all really good friends. Um, I was doing a band called... Esocaris at the time. Some people know who that is. Most people don't. Um, you can go check it out. It's old band from my old band from the nineties. Anyway, um, we were all really good friends. You know, this is like yeah. late nineties. Um, we, we were all very young, um, just out of high school or just some people were, some of us were still in high school, but, uh, so, you know, that was, it, it wasn't, it, it was like, I was kind of already kind of part of the crew in a way mm-hmm. and the way i've already always kind of considered norma Jean is less of a band and more of a collective of musicians and friends because you know when we started doing this we wanted to just play with our friends in a room and you know it's still that today yeah and so uh, i mean absolutely big shoes to fill josh is an amazing uh, musician i love the chariot i love 68 we've toured with both of those bands um yeah, and we're still very, very close friends to this day, and um, 
But, you know, I felt like I was kind of really welcomed in um, pretty easily. And we went straight to riding. Oh, God, the aftermath um, immediately as soon as I joined. And it just felt really, really natural. And this yeah. was 2004. Absolutely. No. And, and that's that's awesome. And I know that that that's the vibe um, for sure with with that, you know, that Douglasville scene, um, you know, back in those days. And of course, all of yeah, Scogan's projects and everybody else, you know, has gone on to other things too. Um, but I mean, less so how the band welcomed you in. Mm-hmm. I'm more talking about how the kids, you know, the fans welcomed you in or didn't welcome you in because obviously a band puts out a record, you know, mm-hmm. people love that record, that first record, and they still love that record, and you still play those songs. And all of a sudden it's a different guy and not everybody's going to be nice about it. Oh no, for sure. How was that? How was that challenge for you? I I think the, the most important thing was, um, the content because, um, um, what, like I said, one of the things that, that Norma Jean has always kind of stayed on the path is that we kind of feel like the band is more or less a collective of, of musicians where, um, association is flexible and creative direction is shared. And, and so what I'm getting at is basically that, you know, putting a, f- a face to the music to us has always been kind of weird. Like we've never been good at like having that kind of image, you know, where yeah. it's like, here's, here's the guys and here's, you know, and then you should associate yourself with, with this music, these guys. And I, we kind of feel like that has, that was like something, you know, a record label made up in the thirties or something to market music, you know, basically, um, boy bands. Yeah. You know, of, like, of course, man, like of course. the Beatles were, were like the first boy band kind of thing. And, and, you know, it was this marketing thing. I feel like that's kind of the structure that, that the music world still works on. Absolutely. And, but, and, and so what we kind of really wanted to do was just, you know, like, hey, we put this record out, and yeah, it's a different guy. But do you like it or not? And <laughs> and that's really the approach we took to it, and it worked. Um, yeah, people people loved that record, and 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 they knew that it was a different guy, and that it was a diff- the sound was going to change a little bit. But um, I, I was I was really welcomed in pretty well, and um, you know, there's still some diehard guys out there that are like. Just gogging for life. Yeah, of course. And the way, the, what I always say is this, and I think this is really important, is that we love that record. And if you love that record and that's the only one you like, that's totally okay with us because it means you're a Norma Jean fan. And that's all that, that should matter. Like, that makes you a Norma Jean fan if you like that record. And if you come to show, we're going to play those songs, um, you know, forever. Absolutely. No, I th- I think that's uh, I think that's great, and and there's a couple things there. I mean, I kind of j- I might jump around. This might jump around a little bit, but like the thing you said about the boy bands, you know, and the record labels creating that, um, to to try to claim that doesn't exist in hardcore or metalcore or Christian music or whatever is total bullshit because. Oh, it totally. does. I mean, like, if yeah. Ollie Sykes isn't a good-looking guy with tattoos on his neck, you know, um, are Bring Me the Horizon that big a band? You could say that they're, they're still a great band. You know, they, they might still mm-hmm. be, they still might be 
a huge band even, but I don't think they're going to be quite what put them over the top with that star power. So my question, I guess, is is like you guys not feeling like you had that star power, not really worrying about your image. Do you think that that ever cost you success? I think the thing that, um, you know, there's, there's a fine line there because at the end of the day, we, we do embrace that we're entertainers. Um, yeah, that's, I think that anybody in a band, like I, I remember uh, I used to go to, uh, punk shows and in the mid to, or early to mid nineties and stuff. And there would be these bands coming to town. They'd be like straight up, not joking. They'd be like anti-technology is they'd say they were against like, you know, all like com- computers and, and like right. all the computer, you know, all this stuff going. I, I don't really understand. I wasn't part of that movement. So I don't really know what they were talking about. It didn't really take off like straight edge did. But I, I remember thinking <laughs> like, dude, what are you talking about? You're playing through a Marshall amp with a guitar and there's lights facing you and you're on a stage. And, and I remember all these punk bands being like DIY or die and all this stuff. And, um, and, and like we're kind of pretending like they're not on a stage with lights facing on them and singing and people singing along to their songs and selling records and t-shirts. And like, you're an entertainer. You maybe on a very small scale, but you are. And, and so I don't want anybody to get me wrong. Um, you know, there, there, there's kind of this fine line with this image, but at the end of the day, like we want to put on a good show and we want to, you know, put everything we can into it, playing as hard as we can. And, you know, people work hard all week, you know, for their sure. money. And if they're going to spend it on a ticket on us, we want to make sure we're killing it. Right. So that's more what we focused on is our live show. And that was Norma Jean's image. And I think anybody that knows who Norma Jean is will back that statement. Like, oh, yeah. No, and that, I, I, I like agree with you, too. Norma um, Jean live and, and throwing guitars and and whatever we did, um, that was more or less our image. And that's what we promoted. And so a lot of our videos were live videos. Um, you know, we just wanted people to have this more, you know, this like experience with us. And, and I mean, and I don't look as good as Ollie. I just don't. He's better looking (laughs) dude. (laughs) Yeah. That's okay with me, man. You can't win them all. Right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. No, and, and I love that you say the thing about um, the technology and, and all that. And it's funny because at the end of the day in music, we're all we're all hypocrites in some way. You know, like I, I'm thinking about, you know, you bring up the early 90s and stuff like I think about a band like like Propagandi, who one of my favorite bands and and probably the most practice what you preach band. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like no matter how much you say like okay we you know we're caring about the environment and all this stuff it's like you still had to fill up your bus with diesel you know mm-hmm. and drive across america to get to that show and you still like you're still making some kind of you know carbon <laughs> footprint you know footprint yeah, there's something. no way around it you're going mm-hmm. to be a hypocrite in some way um whatever it is you can say that you're you're you know you know you're not doing this for the money well you still get paid you know, and you still have to pay, you know, feed yourself. And, you know, there's so many aspects of what we do that are, are hypocritical and, and you can't get away from that. Um, and it's, it's, Agreed. you know, 
Yeah, I, 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 the music industry is full of it too. Um, because I mean, people. Okay, the thing is, is that people want to not just attach themselves to good music, but um, music has always had a, a a cathartic thing to it, and a um, you know something that people want to attach to, and and sometimes it's a it's a movement or something or um, you know a message. And when I, when I watch those shows, like the, those early shows, like, you know, um, like you were talking about, and we were talking about a second ago, I, I, I remember the first time I saw a band scream into a microphone and, you know, it was kind of this, uh, it, it wasn't a vocal style yet. Like it is now, like now it's like, here's my screaming voice and here's my singing, and, you know? Yeah. And, and that's kind of what it is now. But uh, I think, when I saw it for the first time, I saw it as like this person is yelling into a microphone because they're so um, just engulfed in what this song is about that they can't just sing it. They have they want to yell it. You know, it's it's a right. there was a passion thing that was coming yeah. from them. And I, I remember like in between songs, the I can't remember the name of this band now, but um, I wish you could. <laughs> no guesses. I, um, I think it was a band from Texas called Baboon. Okay, Baboon, and, what a name, okay. Yeah, they're, they're actually a badass band, and I think that's who it was. But, you know, in between the songs, it was like, this song's about this and this and this and this and this. It was like every song was just a totally different thing. And, and then they would go into singing, I'm like, God, these guys know exactly what what they're backing. And yeah. there's this passion that's coming, and I loved it. I thought it was so cool, and that's that's really where my roots are as far as like being in a heavy band and, and singing about something that's, um, you know, you really believe in. Right. No, and, sure. and, and that's, that's uh, obviously important to, to your band and, and ha- always has been. I mean, yeah. Uh, but you know, like that's I, obviously everyone is going to, you know, f- you know, grow up and, and figure out that, you know, they change their mind a little bit or, or realize that like, you know, not everything when they were younger was exactly on point. And, and so, yeah, like, I think it's a good thing that we were, we find hypocrisy in that because we learn from it. Right. It's okay to change your mind, you know, for sure. Um, I think if you don't, if you don't embrace, you know, what, how you feel, um, and you, you know, you keep doing things the same way because you've always done it that way. I think that's actually pretty dishonest. You know, so yeah, so absolutely. I think there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with with changing what you think, and and you know, people throw around the word flip flopping. It's like, well, hey, I mean, if that's what mind. you think, that's what you think. I don't, I don't, I never understood. I know, I guess <laughs> that's more of a political thing, but like, I never understood. Yeah. Just, just say what you say, what you do, what you feel. You know, whatever. I think um, the the, the flip flopping thing is funny because like. You know, it is a political thing, and you get a dude that's flip flopping, but he's not admitting that. It's like, dude, just say you changed your mind. Well, I mean, yeah. And, and the other thing too is like, you know, we, we we talked about the image thing and what's bullshit in the music industry. Like in '09, you guys um, changed labels and you left long, you know, your long term um, uh, tooth and nail, solid state. Yeah, and you signed with Razor and Tie. And yes. Razor and Tie, I don't know if they were a full on major label, but they were backed by a major label um mm-hmm. and obviously that must have been a whole different thing for you guys um from what you were used to and 
you know, I, it didn't, you know, to be honest, it didn't really work out, I guess, looking back. So how was that? Yeah. And I mean, now you guys are back on solid state. Um, so, the, the, so how was that journey for you and, and how did you find that? The razor and tie story is really interesting because, um, okay. Razor and ties roots are, are basically, um, they, they kind of sign like older artists, like guys that are, that don't tour or anything. And, and they're just like sitting around. So they're like, uh, sign that guy and make him do a record. And, all the old school fans will buy it. Like that's what they do. And then they also do a lot of people might not know this is kids bop. Everybody oh. knows what kids bop is. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it was that make so much money off that. And they also do like monster ballads and, um, country hits, <laughs> you know, they, that's what, that's how razor and tie like started. They, they, they started that. Well, just so happens that a lot of the people that work there, um, we're huge Norma Jean fans. Oh, okay. And so that's why we signed to Razor and Tide. Um, when we signed, there was only a few bands on there. It was like us. Um, oh gosh, who else was on the label? I can't even remember right now, so I'm not going to even try. But there was there was like two other bands. Yep. Um, an- another heavy band, and then somebody else. I can't remember right now. And, and there there really wasn't much else. And so you know, all the basically kids bop funded meridional <laughs> is basically what i'm getting to yep that is funny <laughs> and so you know we th- those guys came down and met with us in atlanta and um they were just awesome and and they were all so stoked on norma Jean and what we were doing and and that's all we signed with them because you know and you, you i'm sure you can relate to this as well like i bet i bet that a lot of all your interviews say that to you don't they I bet you can relate to this. I get it. Yeah, I get it all the time. Like even just somebody saying, "You know how it is," you know. Yeah, well, and, I'm, I'm and that's part of it. <laughs> that's part of why this podcast <laughs> I think is compelling because people know they can't bullshit me. <laughs> you know, yeah. they know I know. It's true. <laughs> they know you know. <laughs> that's really cool. I, I I really like the podcast too. By the way, Thanks, I man. want to say that. I think I think the name is genius, and that is totally <laughs> yeah. a real thing. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, but anyway. That they came down and they were just so excited. And, and when you're signing to a label, people that aren't in bands or haven't signed to a label before, um, you're you're not you're there, you want a good deal on the table, of course, and you want the mm-hmm. writing to look good and all the contracts, of course. That's really boring. But you're also looking at that team of people and what what they're like and how excited they are for you. And that team of people is invaluable. Sure. So I would almost take a lesser amount of money or like uh, a not as good contract for better people than a really good contract for a bunch of people who probably don't really give a shit. Yeah. And, and that's what they were. They were just dudes that really cared and that's why we signed with them. And, but then it just so happened though that the label was kind of a revolving door of people. Yeah. And so all of those original people that we loved, they left and we got, you know, kind of, shelved in a way like we got pushed to the back of importance and they had signed so many bands since they signed us yeah they just went they just went for it and signed a ton of bands so it really just fell apart you know based on the team of people there and we we just uh well um we found a way out we our our contract was technically not up with with razor and tie but we found a way out we wanted out and and so we found a way out, got out early, and 
um, Solid State was right there waiting for us that's to good. come back. No, that's a nice... and, and they were so awesome and excited, and we were just like, okay, let's do this, you know? And, yeah. And they've been super, super cool. That's great. No, I always I always talk to... I've, my band's never been on a major label, you know, or had that kind of thing happen before. We've been on just kind of an indie... Indie label, bigger indie labels, but indie labels nevertheless. And I, I got to ask, like, was there pressure to for a radio hit? Were they trying to get you to clean up your vocals, write different um, lyrics? Because, like, I mean, you guys came out with a song called Kill More Presidents, which, <laughs> like, yeah. that's not really mainstream. Um, <laughs> no. And that could piss some people off. So I was... Like I'm like okay, that's what you're going for. I'm not sure what the image thing is here, or what that was all about, or how calculated that was. But I wanted to ask you. Well, that song, um, just to, since you brought it up, was yep. is about greed, and uh, it was just like, hey, we need more presidents for money, and it was just kind of a play on words thing. But uh, and it really kind of came from that. Actually, it's so funny you brought that song up because it was about our previous relationship with. Our label, not necessarily <laughs> oh, wow. Solid State, but um, Solid State was a subsidiary of EMI at the time. Oh yeah, another major label, and a lot of these labels are like that. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, Razor and Tie was is part of Sony. I think is their is their their major. Yeah, their distributor, and their their maybe they own part of it or whatever. Oh my God! Hello. Fuck. Hello? Oh, bummer. Hello? Hey. Dude, sorry, man. The wife, no. the, the McDonald's in, uh, Wi-Fi is not killing it anymore. It was. It was it's crushing. It. No, the McDonald's Wi-Fi uh, cut us off. But um, <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Crap. You were you were uh, you were talking about EMI. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a tooth and nail. Be- okay, being- so. So, you know, basically, uh, the, uh, you know, it's back, the, the label is backed by a, a major label. So, you know, every conversation we had and every, just, you know, all the cool things that we were trying to do, that, that label doesn't see any of that stuff. Yeah. They just, they just see this, probably an email or a phone call saying, hey, um, we want to do this. And they can just say yes or no. So, you know, there's, it's just like this, uh, they're just kind of, it's kind of like gambling in a way, these <laughs> yeah. major labels. They're gambling. They're rolling the dice, and they're saying, this band might might pick up steam. This band might pick up steam. So we're just going to gamble on them and see if, if one of them hits. And, yeah. you know, maybe one of them does, and they just kind of, like, don't really care about the rest. They don't necessarily drop all those bands. Some of those, some labels do do that. They, they'll just drop bands, shelf records. They don't even give a crap. Yeah. No, it's, it's kind of uh, disgusting. So, you're you know, right. bands kind of get tricked into into this stuff and um you know i, I think uh one of the cooler things to happen in, in the the past you know five or so years is is crowdfunding and and um bands doing it on their own and basically uh, it's kind of like a a business that is owned by its employees you know the yeah. the fans the fans are the record label and the Supply meets that demand, and I, I love the platform. I think it's great. That's cool. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I, I feel like a mixed. I have mixed feelings on it. The way you describe it there, and you described it very well, and I, I'm kind of like, 
oh, yeah, like, you know, I can't argue with that really. But then when I think about actually doing it, you know, for any of my projects, I feel a little bit like I'm taking advantage of people um, or, or something like that. I don't, I don't know, but it doesn't feel completely honest to me. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We haven't actually discussed crowdfunding on this podcast before, and I haven't really, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how I feel about it. I really don't know how I feel about yeah. it. Yeah. I, I didn't either um, when it first started, and that's what always happens with everything. I remember when texting was a thing for the first time. <laughs> yeah. And I, everybody was like, whatever, man, what's wrong with the phone call? Like, keep it real. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like. It's like those like, bands against technology in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, I, you know, I remember getting, I remember someone in the band getting the uh, text and like, what should I do? I'm like, screw it. Text them back. Like, you know, like, it, it's such a weird little thing to think about, but that's how people are. And yeah. we're very traditional and, and we like to be loyal to things and. But I, I think I think crowdfunding is great, and of course, there's a lot of bands out there that are going to be like, "That's it's stupid." Like, why? It, you're you're the band. Uh, the fans are buying a record from the band directly. Yeah, and and um, it, it get you know, there's no label to say no to us. There's no label to with a, another label above them that can say no to something. Like we make our own thing. Now, obviously, there's a. Uh, there's a great amount of things that come from a, a label and a team of people. Um, and of course being on a label is better, but you know, if a band is trying to get something off the ground, um, you know, it's really just a group of musicians that are, that just want to play music and, and make something happen. And that's, that's a really cool way to do it. And it's basically what bands have done for years. Yeah. Um, they pay for a record they put it out. They hope a bunch of people buy it, and they tour on it. And and what happens? They they turn into something, and they get signed to a label. Crowdfunding just makes that happen faster. Yeah. Because no, I mean it's you it's, can it, push it, it to and push out this music and make this a better record because you have a little more funding behind it, and then tour on that same thing, and the same exact thing happens, but faster. Yeah. No, I I don't know I don't know what my reservations are about it. When you explain it, it makes sense. But just some in some ways, I just feel like dirty about it. I don't know. I feel like I'm convincing people, you know, mm-hmm. to in, to invest in me. Like I feel a little bit like a door-to-door salesman or something. You You're know? asking for money. You are. You're yeah. totally asking for money. Yeah. But hey, I mean, you know, it's, it is, you do and, have and to embrace these things. Like the text message thing's funny. Uh, do you remember the first text message you ever got? I don't. I don't. I remember, I remember uh, our, dr- our drummer, Daniel, getting yeah. the, his first text message. And flipping out like, whoa, I got a text message. Well, you remember yours? I do. Yeah, I remember it was from, we were on tour. It was from a girl named Sarah. Um, and we had stayed at her house the previous night. Uh-huh. And she like wrote me a text message saying like, I don't know, something kind of weird. <laughs> and I was like, this is just freaking me <laughs> what, out. What like, was it? <laughs> I don't remember the exact wording. Um, uh-huh. It was kind of like a I like you a lot kind of text message. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> and, dude, of course that's what it was. And like. uh, Yeah, and that was like, you know, that's like the foray into being able to say something to somebody but not have to actually like look them in the face speaking to them. You know right. what I mean? Like and she was able the, to slip like, that same. in there. Mm-hmm. And then you was, and you have no you have no ties to it whatsoever, right? It's just out there now, and if if you know they don't reply or nothing happens, yeah, that that was kind of the thing about it too. Like <laughs> yeah. people were bummed, like 
say it to my face, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. well, yeah, it's, it's, I love, I, I use it, I text the crap out of people and. Oh yeah, sure. I, Everybody it's, does it's, now. Yeah. Like, so it's like, yeah, no, not even a big deal. But I, I think it kind of relates to that kind of same thing. People don't like to, uh, you know, they're, we're, we get rooted easily in, in things and, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to break out of them, but, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, there's there's so many cool things that have come out of out of the uh, crowdfunding thing besides music, and I think I think you just can't you can't say no to that. That's a cool thing. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I think you you're winning me over, Corey. So that's great. <laughs> um, let's talk about shit. We we got to talk about singing a little bit. Um, that that's I think some people listen to this podcast for that. I don't know. I don't really know, but um, I, your voice. I mean, you've really evolved as a singer. Um, especially like the, with the hundred sun stuff, like listening to that, it's like, you know, mm. I mean, it's amazing. It really is Thank amazing. You, you sound, you sound great on that. Um, now I don't know when you first came into Norma Jean, if you were just like, I got to just sound like Josh Scogan. I just got to sound like him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and then how much of that journey you've taken finding your own voice. But, um, I'd love if you could share, you know, your journey into, you know, going through your 20s and 30s and now into your 40s and, you know, mm-hmm. as being a screamer, singer, you know, vocalist in general. Absolutely. I'd love to. Um, I love I love the instrument. I call it an, an, an instrument because it is. It's. Um, I learned a long time ago that, you know, basically if you're a singer, your body is an instrument. And um, so, you know, when I first started um, being in bands, playing music, um, I just wanted to be a guitar player. That's all I ever wanted to do is be stage left, play guitar, <laughs> and that's it. And Me too, man. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> so that all the bands I was in, I always played guitar, and then um, I was the only guy that could sing you know, or do anything. So I always yep. kind of ended up being the singer, and then yep. eventually I just that's what I did. And, um, but Norma Jean was actually the first band I was ever in where I was just the singer. Yeah, and that's all I did. I always played guitar and sang. We have the same story, band. dude. I can't believe this. Keep that's going. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, the thing is, is uh, when I joined Norma Jean, I kind of um, well, actually, okay, let me back up a little bit. Before that, I was I was filling in guitar for a band called Living Sacrifice. Oh, I remember them. And yeah, and I was actually going to take over vocals for that band. Um, their singer Bruce was leaving, and um, and so I was going to take over vocals for that band, and. I had been doing Esoteris up to that point and been just fine. For some reason, when I started to sing for that band, I couldn't do it. It wasn't there, and it was really scary. Um, my dr- uh, my brother was uh, like a second drummer for that band, so he would come over and like me and him would just practice. And of course, I had to play guitar in that band too. And I would try to sing just to get my vocals up and going, and it just wasn't there. Huh that's the that's what happened i didn't i couldn't do it i couldn't remember how to do it just it just went away so long story short that didn't work out and um you know years later i'm or actually a couple years later i'm uh you know i'm just i'm working at a regular job i've kind of gotten to the point where i've kind of given up music in a way i really did i really started to think like you know what this isn't working i'm you know, twenty. Well, you're in your late twenties, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was like twenty six years old or something okay. like that, and and I was just like, yeah, this isn't working. Whatever. Like, I got I got a family now. Um, yeah. I just got married and stuff. So, 
you know, I was kind of giving it up. And then that, I swear that's when Daniel called me from Norma Jean and they needed a singer in three weeks. And I was so scared that first practice, uh, you know, I'm just going to be a vocalist in this band. That's it. And I didn't know if I could do it, but um, I think it was a very stylistic thing. And I think that vocals come, you know, like I was saying earlier about, you know, being passionate about it. That really is where my roots lie. And if I'm not passionate about what I'm singing about, I'm not stoked to be there and those songs and they don't relate to me. um, Then I, I don't think my voice works. I think there really is something there about that for me. Interesting. And and um, so when when I got to practice with them for the first time, I, it was there and it worked and it was insane. Mm. Um, and we did all got the aftermath. And if you listen to that record and listen to you know what I do now, it's it's like a completely different person. Yeah. So I um, I did that record and then before Redeemer. You know, basically, I really wasn't doing it right. I was still. Sound- I don't like my vocals on that record, and uh, I've been pretty vocal about that. Oh God, fans, fans know it. I, I just don't like the way I sound. I don't care. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some people like it. I, I, I don't. Whatever. It's 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 like heavy, growly stuff. But you know, I wanted to do a much more dynamic range, and so I did take lessons before Redeemer, oh, and okay. I, I I couldn't. I can't say any more good things about how great that was for me. Who, I mean, um, who um, did you see for lessons? I saw Ron Anderson. Ron um, Anderson. Okay. He, he's, he's great. Um, uh, vocal coach. Um, he's done, uh, like red hot chili peppers and Bjork. And he, uh, did Aaron, uh, from me without you has gone to him and stuff. Wow. He's done some insane stuff. Um, Oh yeah. He, uh, Avenged Sevenfold is probably his biggest right. achievement. He actually is in medical journals for fixing that guy's vocals. Who, wow. He had an operation on his uh, vocal cords, and they removed a cyst or something. And yeah. they said, no, you can't sing anymore. I've heard that story a lot. But he actually was able to coach him back into singing, which is really cool. That's crazy. So the guy's awesome. Was he, was he, when you met with him, he was familiar with like this vocal style of screaming? Like oh yeah, what you for did sure. because that's you I know told him, that's I a bit of a music. thing that people are like some of those, you know, like obviously mm-hmm. Melissa Cross is a pretty famous one, but a lot of the people that are that are yeah. involved in being a vocal coach or or whatever, um, a lot of them are just like, nope, that's like not you're not supposed to do that. Just don't do that. Yeah, well, basically, um, what he does is it, it all comes from a similar place. It, it's not the same though. Singing and screaming are two totally different kind of things. I think anybody who does both can knows what I'm talking about, but mm-hmm. um, he 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 was really able to help me with both, and um, I I swear I always tell this like I feel like he handed me this like Dr. Seuss instrument like with horns coming out and twirls and little you know f- handles and levers and stuff on it, <laughs> you know like here's what you've been trying to play all these years. Right. You know, like how the hell do you play this thing? I mean, he really blew my mind and, to, huh. and, and changed everything about how I sing. And if you listen to, Oh God, the aftermath and listen to redeemer right behind it, it, I totally changed everything. And then I really just grew from there and, and, and just, I embraced the instrument as I, as I was embracing the guitar before. Well, when and you I guys, love it and 
you know, that's really where it comes from. Yeah. Well, when you guys did the 10-year tour for Oh God, The Aftermath, um, was that weird then? Like, basically having to be forced to sing all those songs again that you didn't like? And then, like, how did you approach <laughs> the vocals for that? Um, I mean, I was just, I was just, I was just myself. I love the songs. I just think that, you know, looking back, of course, everybody's like, yeah, I can do that better now. Yeah. That's all it is. It's, you know, it, that record is cool for what it is, but, um, you know, you grow as a musician and sure you get better and you change. And, um, you know, it's like we were talking about earlier, like, you know, it's okay to change your mind and, 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 you know, look back on that stuff. Uh, but, um, absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it wasn't that weird. Like it was really fun actually playing those songs and, um, I got sick of them by the end of the tour and I was ready to play. <laughs> I was trying to play other stuff. I mean, it's just kind of weird. Like, um, I, I, we'd never done a anniversary tour or anything before, but, uh, when we did that one, it was kind of like, Hey, we are basically promoting a 10 year old record. Yes. Why are we doing this? So yeah, by the yeah. end of the tour, I was kind of weirded out by it. Like this is, I mean, this, it was awesome. It was so fun, but, um, yeah, it was just like kind of strange in a way. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed, we did a 10 year tour too for our 2005 record and, and, um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything about it and I, I actually didn't really get sick of the songs, but one thing that was important for us to do was we were like, okay, if we do this, we need to make sure we have a new song like from an upcoming record out we need people to know that we need to be playing it because mm-hmm. we need these people that are maybe they're maybe they still listen to us maybe they don't um but we need them to know that we're still you know we've we're still a band we've grown as a band and we're still killing it you know that's uh cool that was important so that's the advice if that's, any any bands are that, listening to this because i know a lot of bands listen to this that's my advice for, for doing an <laughs> that's anniversary was, tour that's what i was actually about to say is like <laughs> i will remember that next time <laughs> i mean people look fans fans loved it and that is what made it cool is, yeah. is that it was like this nostalgic thing people came out and they sing along to all these songs that um, a lot of them we've never played live ever before. So it, it, there was this really cool element to it. And um, I think just playing the shows and in, in general kind of brought some people out of the woodwork that hadn't been to a show in a long time just to see that. And that was cool. But uh, no, you know, we definitely should have had some new music. You think, by the, that would have helped maybe a little bit. Do you think for Redeemer or any of the other records you might do that again or something like that? Yeah, this year is actually 10 years for Redeemer, and we just, I mean, we're putting out a new record this year, right. so we don't have time for it, but sure. I do want to do something for it next year. Um, I don't know if an 11-year <laughs> tour is cool, uh, but no, I, I mean, I'm, it's I'm, funny. I no, haven't I, figured out the logistics of marketing. That, yeah, no, that's, that's funny. I, no, I do want to do something for it. I don't want to name names, but yeah, it is funny when some bands spill over and they, they extend their 10-year tour, and then it's the 11-year tour. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's like a little bit like, yeah. okay, guys, let's, uh, you know, maybe it's time to wrap it up. But uh, <laughs> It's so true. Uh, uh, I don't know. I want to do something for it, but I, like I said, I just don't have time for it with a new record coming out. Right. And, uh, people are asking for it, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll do some, like, you know, like a, a few shows or something, like, you know, on a tour next year well let's talk about the new record um it's called yeah. polar similar it yes. comes out on solid state records wh- when what day september 9th is the day and pre-orders 
or at normagenoise.com. Cool. And yeah, September 9th is the day. 9th is the day. And um, I know you have a cameo from Sean Ingram from Coles on there. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, um, so sick. What other exciting things about the record are there that uh, people should be stoked on? I think uh, what, probably the coolest thing is is we recorded at um, Pachyderm Studios, which is where Nirvana did In Utero. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, live recorded throwing copper there. Um no, no, no! Don't, don't, don't bring up that one. Let's just let's just talk about Nirvana, not live. Well, I love that record, but <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs> is that the Lightning Crashes one? And yeah, 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 totally, totally. <laughs> okay. I, I think the record's awesome. But <laughs> Failure did Comfort there, which is another great record. So yeah. I don't know. It, the thing has the, the studio has a great history to it, and um, it it was really appealing to us to to go to a place like that to where some of our favorite records, like In Utero, were made. Because we wanted to try to find that sound and really make a, um, a kind of a very, um, I don't know. A, we wanted the acoustics of those of those old records like that, like a more organic so, record. Is that is yeah, that a very, fair word? Absolutely, and we and boy did we find it, man! This place is crazy. Uh, so there's this big house on the on the property that we all stayed in, and then you know several hundred feet away there's a studio, a big studio there. And, um, you know, we would sleep in the house and it had an indoor pool too, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just an amazing place. It has this old creepy kind of eerie vibe to it. Like with like kind of sixties, de- uh, you know, design and it's totally been remodeled and, and they kept all those elements. But, uh, it's just a really cool vibe, and we really got once we got there, we really changed everything to kind of match that atmosphere and, and put that atmosphere on the record. Cool. And I, I think you can really hear that one if you listen to it all the way through. Right. Um, and beyond that, the the record is, is kind of a has a theme to it. Whereas we we wrote the first song with the intention of that being the first song from the beginning. And yeah. The last song was intended to be the last song from the beginning. So when you write in that way, you you find different things, and you, you, you know, oh, this is going to be the first thing they hear on this if they when they buy this record. So it's a cool thing to write like that, and just like you know, different little experimentations like that. Right. Well, I know lyrically, Norma Jean's always been kind of a collaboration with the members. Is it is that still this the case, or is it, is it more is it more so something Not that as you're much. doing? Not as much. Um, that was definitely a thing that that uh, was very. Um, important to Norma Jean for um, me and Scotty and, and, and also when Daniel's in the band. Yeah. Cause those guys, they write great lyrics, but um, uh, you know, most, most of the, this new record is really, I just went to town with it and, and wrote kind of a story or a theme to uh, kind of a um, concept. Yeah. Cool. And a couple of the lyrics were, were cut, were brought in from the other guys, but for the most part, the um, polar similar is, is really just all me, which is I, I had a lot of fun doing it that way. And but the 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 other side of that is that um, there's a lot more songwriting power in the band now than there used to be um, from the other members. So we've kind of kind of turned the tables a little bit, um, but you know, it's still kind of a similar thing. Yes. How much do you um, as a guitar player? Have you been present as a writing guitar parts and stuff in the band, um, or not really to keep that kind of 
to the guitar players? Absolutely. I, I've um, when I joined, I wrote probably eighty five percent of Oh God, the aftermath. Oh wow! And wow, that's crazy um, for a new member. Another, yeah, and I wrote most of Redeemer as well, yeah. and the Anti Mother, and um, Meridian. Really, uh, Scotty started to step in writing a lot more. Daniel was writing a lot more before that. So, um, and then when Jeff joined. Um, he really just, oh man, that guy can pump out some riffs. It's insane. Nice. So, uh, wrongdoers and, and polar similar have a lot of Jeff on there as well. And, uh, so yeah, this, this songwriting has changed a little bit, but, um, stylistically it's, it's still Norma Jean. I, th- I think there's this, uh, there, uh, a lot of growth in the band. That's no, that's, that's, that's great to hear. That's great to hear now. Um, you guys, I'm sure you guys are going to put this record out on September 9th, and you guys are going to be doing some shows, some touring. Um, now, how is that going to be juggling that, and also with your new band, um, Hundred Sons? Uh, is that going to be difficult? And what is the plan for Hundred Sons? I know, maybe maybe just give a little background about that for people that don't know about the band. Sure. Um, so yeah, Hundred Sons is me, um, Legs, um, who used to be in Every Time I Die, and. Chris, who was in Dead and Divine, uh, both Canadian dudes. <laughs> uh, yes, I know with, them both with, very well. In fact, I used to yeah. manage. I used to manage Dead and Divine. I put out their first two records on my label. Oh, okay. So I know, I'm very, very familiar. I know Chris really well, and I know actually I know um, I know Legs really well too because he was in Dead, Dead and Divine for a while as well. So he was, he was, and um, of course, you know, uh, I we you know we all been kind of friends for a very long time. So it's kind of weird how everybody knows everybody in this industry. But, I know, um, I know. It's, uh, but yeah, like, uh, we, uh, Norma Jean did a tour with Dead and Divine, um, 2012, I want to say. And then that was also, I'm pretty sure the year that they disbanded, um, after that. Yeah, it sounds about right. A little bit after that tour. So, um, you know, me and Chris became really good friends and, and he started sending me some riffs and he, he sent me the riff for a song called fractional, which we actually released earlier this year. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, Oh my God. I knew exactly. Okay. So with Norma Jean, I really put a lot of thought in. It's like a long process to decide what I'm going to sing, what the lyrics are going to be. And I just very like meticulous about it. For some reason he sent me this, he sent me the chorus for fractional. I just knew exactly what I I wanted to sing on it. I wrote the lyrics that day and it's still the same lyrics. Wow. And it was just something happened. It was a spark. And we just kind of realized that we work really well together. That's great. He was, he's writing everything. So that's also another different dynamic is I'm, I really just focus on the vocals and the lyrics and that's it. And I love that. It's such a cool, great relief just to kind of, only really focus on what I'm going to do vocally. So that, that the band was kind of born like 2013, I want to say, and um, took a few years to kind of get some songs going. And, um, and so here we are 2016 and sure. we're ready to go. Do you, you, so you have a full length record. Is it finished? No, it's not finished. We, we have about two or three more songs to write. Cool. Um, they're kind of all the bones are there. Um, but I've been kind of singing the last couple of weeks, just trying to get ideas down and, and, and stuff. And, and you had asked about like how I'm going to juggle all this stuff. Yeah. Um, that's, I don't definitely. know. <laughs> well, that's honest. I like that. You're I honest. don't, I have no idea. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And 
Uh, I, I kind of like that, that there's this kind of risk factor to it. You know, this, this, uh, I don't really know what's going to happen kind of thing. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. 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 Cool. I know. Cool. I, I, um, no, I, I, I know like legs. I mean, part of why he left every time I die, I think was because he didn't want to tour as much and he's a family man as well. You mm-hmm. know, I know his wife pretty well. Um, so, you know, is that maybe going to be a challenge too, to kind of be able to, to get everybody on board? I, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I sure. know that legs has expressed his, very ex- he's very excited to get back on the road oh, and, great. and tour and, and not work nine to five all the time. So yeah, he, he's, he's like begging to to get this off the ground and so nice. everybody's re- and i know chris is as well he wants us to be his full-time job so yep um those guys are gung-ho i am as well um we want to make it happen and you know there's this kind of a you know like you know i've done norma Jean, like you know we started this out you said you mentioned that i've done done it for 12 years almost 13 actually and yeah um you know i just want to try different things you know um and Again, I'm sure you can relate to this, but as a musician, you know, you want to try different things. You want to, there's so many different ideas that you have. And, um, I think, you know, I, I want to explore all those while I'm still able bodied to do them and, you know, I'm not getting any younger. So <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah, sure, man. No, but, no, uh, did you, uh, um, did you yeah. totally freak out when you turned 40 or you, you, you chill? I, I freaked out a little bit that day. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And I, was, I told that we were on tour. We were actually in New Orleans, and uh, we had a great show that night. And um, I knew the guys were like ready to ready to rage. Yeah. And so funny, like they were so pumped, like to that I was turning forty. And I, I, but I had told them I was like, do not, and I mean, do not throw me any kind of like real like forty year old party thing. Like, do not do it. I'll fucking flip out. So. Uh, <laughs> They didn't do it. Uh, I love them to death. Thank, I'm so glad they didn't do it. But they they raged, and like I ended up just kind of like hanging out at the bar by myself <laughs> while they were having so much fun. But it, it, there's kind of that was cool. Like they were excited, and um, but I, you know, it ended up being a lot of fun. Well, that's great. That's great, man. No, it's. Uh, I heard somewhere that your 30s are the toughest, and then once you get into your 40s, life gets easier. So here's I, to you that. Know, I, yeah, for sure. I, I can back that for sure. Because, you know, the, I always said, you know, being in your 30s, it's like you're not so old that you can't do anything, but you're not so young that you don't know anything. And uh, <laughs> yeah. 40s is, is kind of like a little bit, a little bit, you know, stepping towards, uh, you know, the not being able to do anything. <laughs> That's depressing. <laughs> it's it's it, well, you know, it's coming is the thing. It's not. I, I, it's it's a it's a knowledge thing. It's not a physical thing. I'm actually in great shape, and um, I have great genetics and and good parents to thank for that. But um, I, I think uh, you, you, it, there's there's a there's a wisdom that comes. I think because you realize, you know, this is. I remember, you know, like my parents being 40 and like thinking they were the oldest people in the world. And, <laughs> and then you get here and it's like, it's not that it's, there's something, there's a wisdom to it. And That's I think true. that, and, and you see that you kind of see kind of what the future has in store for you and what you, you know, I'm more excited now than I ever have been to, to, to be a musician, to be a father, to, um, you know, 
I've changed so many, you know, things in my life in just the past few years. But um, I'm, I'm still very, very excited to to do what I do. And I'm, I'm more excited than ever, no. um, actually, to uh, to be a musician and, and to be a, f- a family man and, and, and all that stuff. Well, that's awesome, man. Corey, it's, it's so good catching up with you. It's been a long time. It's been a lot of years. Uh, it's so good to hear, you know, Norma Jean still kicking it, still kicking ass. New record coming out in September and also another project with 100 Sons and the family, like the kids growing up. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool story. So, um, so all, the, all the best with having your house back, you know? That's great, too. Enjoy that. Thank you so much, dude. You're gonna Thank put you. A, you going to put a hot tub in your kid's room or anything? I, I'm, I don't know, man. I, I got to do something, though. I got to do something. There, it's kind of weird. Like, we do have a free room now in the house, and it really just sits there. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. I, it's kind of untouched, and we call, we say it's still her room, and she comes home and sleeps in it sometimes. I was like, man, I need to do something cool in there, but nothing. Nothing. It's just chills. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. Well, hey, it's, it's great talking to you. Um, Absolutely, man. You we, well. always, we always play music on the podcast. So, um, how about I play that Hundred Suns jam you were talking about, Fractional? Does that sound good? Yeah, totally. Let's that jam good. that. Let's jam that for the people. Uh, thanks again, Corey, so much. Here it is, Fractional by Hundred Suns, brand new band on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. <laughs> 